The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It does not constitute legal or other professional advice. No one connected with this podcast can be responsible for your use of the information discussed. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and do not represent the opinions of any other person or entity. These views are subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Welcome to Leap, Legal Issues in Policing, a podcast blending the demands of the book with the rulings from the bench through the lens of the bag. Police officers with a solid understanding of the law and their legal powers are more confident, competent, and effective. Each and every episode will examine a legal issue in policing by reviewing current Canadian criminal case law from coast to coast to coast. Be prepared to uncover a legal lesson that will improve your decision making. Now let's leap in. Hello everyone, my name is Mike Nowakowski, your podcast host, and you are listening to Leap, Legal Issues in Policing. In two previous episodes, 10 and 37, I looked at public polling surveys where the cops topped all other public institutions related to the level of confidence Canadians had in them. And not so long ago, I received an email from a listener telling me that they have been trying to express to their police colleagues not to get too discouraged because they believe ultimately the public are fully behind the police. I've heard this sentiment before. Some officers extrapolate or extend the view of the police portrayed in the news media to the view commonly held by the public. But is this accurate? Are people buying into the narrative being hustled by some media outlets? To answer these questions, in this episode, I will look at the results of more surveys that have been released since my two earlier podcasts on the matter. I will provide links to these results in the episode notes so you can check them out for yourself. Now, if I was to ask you which of the following institutions Canadians had the most confidence in, the media, federal parliament, the justice system and courts, the police, or the school system, which one would you think topped the list? If you said the school system, you'd be wrong. If you said the justice system and courts, you'd be wrong. If you said the media or federal parliament, you'd also be wrong. The fact is, Canadians had the highest level of confidence in the police than all other institutions I mentioned. So just what were the findings? Well, in November 2023, Stats Canada released an infographic titled Confidence in Canadian Institutions. The main headline read as follows, quote, Confidence in police services, schools, and the justice system is higher than confidence in other institutions. But another accurate headline could have read, Confidence in police services is higher than confidence in all other institutions. Or, police are the only institution to have the confidence of a majority of Canadians. Let me explain. Stats Canada found 62% of Canadians, that's residents of Canada, 15 years of age and older, regardless of citizenship, reported having a good or great deal of confidence in the police. And the police were the only institution that broke the 50% mark. The school system was ranked second at 47% confidence, followed by the justice system and courts at 46%, federal parliament at 32%, and the media at 31%. I found it interesting that the institution that reports on the police, sometimes in a biased and negative light, the media, was the institution that the public had the least confidence in. The Stats Canada infographic also highlighted the following, quote, racialized Canadians are less likely to have high levels of confidence in the police, end quote. Now, this is accurate based on the data of the survey. Racialized groups had a 58% confidence rating in the police compared to a 64% confidence level of non-Indigenous, non-racialized Canadians. Despite this, every people group, Indigenous, non-Indigenous, immigrants or non-immigrants, had the highest level of confidence in the police than the courts, schools, politicians, and the press. 
but it didn't surprise me that the graphic chose the language it did to highlight the decline in confidence racialized Canadians had in the police, even though other institutions had declines as well. When it came to the Indigenous population, almost half, 48%, had a good or great deal of confidence in the police. There is no doubt that there is a lot of work for the police to do here. But less than a third of Indigenous people, 30%, had a good or great deal of confidence in the justice system and courts. Even fewer Indigenous people, 16% in the case of Parliament and 14% in the case of the media, had a good or great deal of confidence in those institutions. Think about that. Indigenous people had more confidence in the police than they did in the justice system and the courts and Parliament combined. No headline highlighting that fact. And the Stats Canada data also showed that people with a hopeful view of the future, 71%, and a high life satisfaction, 73%, had higher levels of confidence in the police than any other institution using those same metrics. In August 2023, Statistics Canada released a report entitled, quote, Experiences of Discrimination in Daily Life Among Chinese People in Canada and Their Perceptions of and Experiences with the Police and the Justice System, end quote. And just what did this survey reveal? No surprises here. The vast majority, 85% of Chinese people reported having some or a great deal of confidence in the police. However, only 56% reported a similar level of confidence in the criminal courts. In October 2023, Leisure Marketing, a Canadian polling firm, surveyed both Canadians and Americans about their trust level towards various institutions. Canadian institutions, 14 of them, included the Prime Minister's Office, the Senate, the Media, Provincial Government, the House of Commons, the Supreme Court of Canada, and the Police. Of these institutions, which do you think took first place? If you said the police, you'd be right. The police topped the list of all 14 institutions, including the ones I just mentioned. Almost three-quarters of respondents, 73%, had trust in the police. This was even higher than only the two-thirds of Canadians, 66%, having trust in the highest judicial body in the land, the Supreme Court of Canada. The Prime Minister's office was near the basement, at 36%, only to be beat out in the race to the bottom by large corporations, at 28%. The media came in at 40%. The survey also provided data about institutional trust based on region, age, sex, and voting intentions. Trust in the police topped out in Quebec at 80% and bottomed out in Saskatchewan and Manitoba at 65%. Females were at 74% trust and people aged 55 and older at 83%, which was more trust in the police than males were at 72% and 18 to 34-year-olds at 56%. Those who intend to vote Bloc Québécois had the most trust in police, at 88%, while those intending to vote the Green Party of Canada had the least, at 60%. Now what about the United States? The police as an institution in the U.S. also garnered the most trust among the institutions surveyed there, but was much lower than the trust level Canadian cops achieved. In the U.S., only 59% of respondents indicated they trusted the police, which was at the top of the U.S. list for most trusted institutions. The Supreme Court of the United States was much lower at 45% and the media clocked in at 30%. Any way you slice it, the police were the most trusted institution in both Canada and the United States, beating out both countries' Supreme Courts. Now this all leads me to yet another Statistics Canada news release published earlier this month. Almost two weeks ago, The Daily, Stats Canada's official bulletin, posted a report entitled Confidence in Institutions and the Media 2023. This most recent bulletin relied on survey data from October to December 2023. 
And here's what it showed, quote, Close to two-thirds, 65% of Canadians reported high confidence in the police, a higher proportion than any other institution measured by the survey. The next highest-ranked institution was the justice system and courts, where nearly half, 49% of Canadians reported high confidence. This was followed by the school system, 45%, the Canadian media, 37%, and the federal parliament, 28%. Of these institutions, confidence levels have been consistently highest for the police, end quote. If this were a competition, the police would be receiving the gold medal. And the confidence in the police was even higher in this most recent release than what was reported in their infographic from last November. But there wasn't a lot of data about the police in this report since it mostly focused on the media. Over time, I hope, more detailed statistics will be released about the demographics of the respondents. There's no doubt the confidence and trust the people have in institutions is waning, but it is encouraging to see that the cops are tops in both the trust and confidence categories Canadians have in them, despite the often negative and critical view in which the media portray the police. Perhaps it is the lack of trust and confidence people have in the media that the police are so well regarded. Maybe, just maybe, the public isn't buying what the media is selling because of this lack of trust and confidence in those conveying the message. But I also don't think we can be overly satisfied with these results. After all, there is plenty of room for improvement among all of these institutions, including the police. And it will take the efforts of each and every officer to improve the trust and confidence people have in the police. One thing I've noticed over the years is that police officers are trained to and will first start with the facts. This is the essence of investigation. Then those facts will be filtered through logic, the law, and common sense. Finally, feelings come into play. Even though police officers are only human, they must not allow their emotions to hijack their decision-making processes. They must do their best to be detached and dispassionate from the circumstances. But this is no easy task for a human. I can remember attending many a call, particularly those involving children, when, after interviewing people and collecting evidence, I would return to my police car and weep, often wishing I could do more beyond what the law permitted me to do. But fact-based and informed judgments must rule the day. On the other hand, media reports sometimes spin a story with a biased slant. It's not so much about telling a story as it is about selling one. They start with emotions and filter those feelings purportedly through common sense. It sometimes seems the actual facts are the last to be considered, if at all. Just think of reported incidents where the police use force. The media, sometimes lock in step with some politicians, will quickly conclude or at least slant the story that such force was improper based on the perception of a one-sided account, often uninformed, inaccurate, and biased. Sometimes people will say what they think but disguise it as what they claim to know. Stories are exaggerated and improper conclusions are made. What is often missing from these media accounts is the whole story. Even the video shown of a police encounter, if such a video exists, rarely shows the interaction in its entirety. I think the whole story matters. I remember watching a 2021 CBC Fifth Estate documentary entitled When Police Don't Knock about dynamic entries. In one clip, police are shown entering a home after ringing the doorbell and then forcing entry only seconds later. Here is how it was reported. And in Kamloops, police in search of drugs ring the doorbell. But don't wait for an answer. If you were to watch this clip, you might well think the police entered almost immediately after ringing the doorbell. But as I watched this clip, I noticed the video skipped. There was an obvious jump cut. So I went searching for a more complete video. Embedded in the online version of the story was what appeared to be the full video. 
In it, the police knocked on three separate occasions before ringing the doorbell, something the edited video contained in the documentary did not show. It was left out. Here is how the extended version of police announcement sounded. Now, it may be the police didn't wait long enough before entering even after giving notice, but I still think an accurate accounting of the facts does matter. Perhaps rather than saying, police in search of drugs ring the doorbell but don't wait for an answer, a more accurate narration might have been, after knocking repeatedly on three occasions and ringing the doorbell, the police force entry when no one answers. Cutting context, and in this case video, just isn't fair or balanced it can leave the viewer with a false impression. Those in the business of policing understand the facts do matter, as does the law. Sure, some use of force events look ugly, but just because it looks awful doesn't mean it's unlawful or unjustified or inappropriate. With all of this said, sometimes police officers do go too far. Sometimes they cross the line, step offside, or go out of bounds. Sometimes they make mistakes act outside established policy and procedures, and even commit crimes. There is nothing worse than a crooked or corrupt cop. But these examples, the ones that do make the news, are few and far between when compared to the overwhelming majority of police interactions where officers act honorably, courageously, and with integrity to serve and protect. Publilius Cyrus, a Latin writer born in 85 BC, once reportedly said, quote, Anyone can hold the helm when the sea is calm, end quote. Many years later, John Shedd is credited with saying, quote, a ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for, end quote. When things are going well, when the waters are calm, people are often more than willing to step forward. In ideal conditions, decision-making takes very little effort. For me, Cirrus and Shedd are encouraging us to go beyond our comfort zones and take up the challenge to weather the storms life may bring. And Franklin Roosevelt, the 32nd and longest-serving president of the United States, once said this, quote, A smooth sea never made a skilled sailor, end quote. The more you are willing to put yourself out there to navigate the turbulent waters of human misery, dysfunction, and the malicious, maligned, and malevolent actions of others, the more resilient you will become and adept to making those tough decisions that trying times demand of you. I am so grateful for all the men and women in uniform who are willing to sail the rough seas and risk their lives for complete strangers. Thank you. As a final thought, I want to leave you with the words of Paul Harvey, a distinguished broadcaster. When Mr. Harvey was three years old, his father, a police officer, was murdered while off-duty when he was shot by armed robbers. And in 2005, at the age of 87, Mr. Harvey received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, one of the highest civilian awards in the United States. Listen carefully to the following excerpt from a broadcast Mr. Harvey made decades ago and ask yourself whether much has changed over the last half century. Policemen. A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity. Called statistics, wave the fan over stinkers, 
underscore instances of dishonesty and brutality because they are news. What that really means is that they are exceptional. They are unusual. They are not commonplace. Buried under the froth is the fact. And the fact is that less than one half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform. And that is a better average than you'd find among clergymen. What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted. A strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back. He must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won, but if a policeman is neat, he's conceited. If he's careless, he's a bum. If he's pleasant, he's a flirt. If he's not, he's a grouch. He must make instant decisions which would require months for a lawyer, but if he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp or expect to be sued. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. A policeman must know everything and not tell. He must know where all of the sin is and not partake. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal, and tell you where the criminal is hiding, but if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. If he gets promoted, he has political pull. If he doesn't, he's a dullard. The policeman must chase bum leads to a dead end, stake out ten nights to tag one witness who saw it happen but refuses to remember. He runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless Seamus or an honorable who isn't honorable. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And, of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. If you think this podcast would interest others, please share it. And if you have a topic you would like discussed in a future episode, you can email me at legalissuesinpolicing at gmail.com. That's legalissuesinpolicing at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And remember, be careful what you practice. You might get good at it. Be smart and stay safe.